Well, sadly, a few things have changed over time. During my lifetime, I've seen integrity go from being a very important part of the screening process for a job or a career start to maybe not being quite so important today. It seems not to count for so much. I want to say to you that it is still extremely important to me. Not so much in the cutthroat world that we live in today, but integrity is really a value that I believe society should adhere and understand and cherish. A bit like the heroes of my world growing up. The good guys, be that in movies or small screen or in sport or in life, today we have little hesitation, it seems, in celebrating people who have a really poor track record in moral life. They may excel in being able to run and jump, make something sound amazing on the radio or cinema, but I think we need to, and our direction for this morning is to nail down the importance of integrity and honour it. The online dictionary gives the following definition of integrity. As a noun, sticking with the moral and the ethical principles, moral character, honesty, sound, unimpaired, a perfect condition. And Webster's delivers the main idea of morality and values. Talks about values and the mention of structural integrity that would be very well understood by the engineers in the room. When it's a description of a person, seems like this is a description of someone pretty amazing, especially when spiritual leaders are often found to be less than what they preach. I think you might have heard regularly, maybe not too distantly, oh, we're only human, or they are only human, which is very true but I don't think it diminishes the need for integrity in our world. I've found myself asking questions like, where are the statesmen today? Where are the heroes of our faith, people of great integrity and strong character? And I want to say that integrity doesn't mean perfection, but it does suggest a person of character. Now, I have a few biblical heroes. King David probably sits at the top of my list, my son's name is David Brandon Wynn, after, in the first instance, King David and Brandon Nelson, who was a spiritual leader of great integrity in my time. And I love how the Bible will tell the truth about someone. The scriptures may not hold someone up as getting through life perfectly, but it does tell the story of a whole lot of characters who get through life the best they can and honour God. Today we conclude our uh, Story of Fulfilment Genesis series. Next week is Palm Sunday and I've enjoyed tracking the biblical idea that the biblical foundations we discover in the book of Genesis are a reflection of the character of God.
and the story of God that continues. The story of fulfillment. The story of God's promises being true and accurate and some yet to be fulfilled. The story of faithfulness, which is eternal. His providence, which is life-giving. And today we want to learn a lot about true character and what it looks like. So we focus on the life of Joseph. We saw in the little video there uh, the start out for the life of Joseph. There are three senior political staffers in the Bible, Nehemiah, Daniel and Joseph. They're all Hebrews. All of them serve in a foreign country. And each in their own way demonstrates that you can maintain integrity and be successful without compromising your faith. Nehemiah, well, he became a blue-collar worker of great accomplishment, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, praise God. Daniel, pretty diverse in his capacity to serve kings in three nations. Today, it's all about Joseph because his character stands out. We catch up the story a bit and we see in Genesis 30 that Joseph was the first son of Rachel and Jacob and the 11th of Jacob's 12 sons. Jacob loved Rachel and he had a favourite son who was Joseph. In other words, to cut to the chase, he favoured Joseph over his other sons. So the other sons are jealous, not so smiley. And it didn't help at all when Jacob gave Joseph a very colourful coat that made him stand out and effectively separated him from all of his brothers. I can't summarise Joseph's life without talking about dreams and later there's dream interpretation. Uh, one early in life he dreamed that his father, his mother and his brothers would all bow down before him. And in the interest of time, the skinny version today is that because of jealousy, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers to a group of travelling Midianites. They sold him to Potiphar. The details are all in chapter 37 of Genesis. What happens then is it places Joseph under the scrutiny of a foreign uh, authority. And it also provides opportunity for him to shine. Even in his trauma, he's able to shine. In the difficulties that become part of his life story, he's able to show his integrity. He's going to later look back and see God's providence but as the story unfolds, he has a choice to hold to his faith or to just blend in. But we see Joseph stands out. The integrity comes through in a very transparent and visible way. And when we look at Joseph, integrity means no compromise. In Genesis 39... We see that Joseph is put in charge of Potiphar's household because of his godly character and his integrity. He has found favour with Potiphar. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you come along with me? We want to read from verse 4 of 39. 
So Genesis 39, and we'll pick it up at verse 4. Joseph found favour in his eyes, in, in Potiphar's eyes, and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his whole household, and he entrusted to his care every single thing that he owned. And from the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in his house and in his stores out in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I think there's some important details that are locked away in the small print here. It's obvious from what's made known to us in these few verses that Joseph immediately had a profound effect upon Potiphar. His character impressed Potiphar so much that all Potiphar was concerned about was what he ate. And of course, he had a cupbearer for that, didn't he? And a baker. Become part of the story of Joseph. And I believe it's totally unfair to pass it off that Potiphar is being lazy and handing things on to Joseph. Because if Potiphar's household falls over, so does his whole world. So it's a calculated decision to put Joseph in charge. He sees something in Joseph that he declares as, I want to trust this man. I feel like I know I can trust this man. If he lets me down, I'm gone. I'm diminished. I've lost everything. So Joseph stands up and he stands out. He proved himself trustworthy. And I want to suggest that the first takeaway from this is that integrity will translate to trust. Here's a question. Can you function without supervision? Simple question, but let me, let me rephrase it. Are you in secret what you are in public? Here we see Joseph maintaining personal integrity, not only away from his family and friends, but in a foreign country with a different code of ethics. And he stands up and he stands out. The area of integrity that stands out in Joseph's life uh, that we'll have a quick look at is when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife in chapter 39, verses 6 to 20. And reading from verse 7, after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. Uh, in verse 8, with me in charge, he said, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. I have this responsibility. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So consider Joseph's situation. He's bought as a slave by Potiphar. He's enslaved to the top of the household, elevated to the top of the household. 
He's now seduced, and not just once, but twice, or he's seduced continually. And a lesser character would have succumbed. Now, it's not in the passage, but I want to say to you, obviously, it's a temptation, right? We shouldn't just pass this off. You wouldn't expect the captain of Pharaoh's guard or the head of security in those times in that culture to not choose his wife carefully. In other words, she's probably gorgeous. And what you'd expect from Egyptian privilege. So it's a temptation. Every bloke in this room will acknowledge that. But Joseph would rather go to jail than to betray his master or to fail sexually. And note his response to Potiphar's wife. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against, what does it say? God. So his concern is, no, no way. He worked out quickly that what he may have been able to do in secret would not only be a betrayal of his master, Potiphar, but also a betrayal of his faith in God. Doing the right thing in the eyes of God was important to Joseph. So here's the second point. Joseph honoured God and that would honour Potiphar. When we honour God, it honours those around us. True? And how true is that in the workplace? If we honour God... Like, I know that for me even, and, and I know some of us in the room would go to work and try to do the right thing. Like, you need to be seen to be doing the right thing for your employer. If, if you're self-employed, you need to be seen to be, be honouring those who are your clients. Uh, we, we all kind of get that, right? Joseph potentially didn't even think about that. All he thought about was honouring God. And if I honour God, it will honour people. Isn't that beautiful? And therein was his skills, his amazing gifted administration. His capacity flourished because his integrity was maintained. There's a big story in that. There is for me. There's no lack of tension for Joseph. It's not easy, but it's willful. There's real temptation, but he's not going to give in. And even when the situation could provide a level of secrecy and perhaps no one else is ever going to know, he said no. I used to come home later than my mum requested of me when I first got a car. No excuse. Uh, you may remember that sense of freedom if you're old enough to drive now. But I always wanted to minimise the potential for being grounded. That wouldn't be any good. So when my mum asked me what time I got home, uh, I wouldn't always answer accurately. So maybe if I'd arrived home around 4am, I can remember answering something like, well, I was late. 
Well, that's not, that's not untruthful, is it? But then, you know, mum would press in a bit more and I'd go, sorry, mum, but... And then she'd say, uh, what time did you get in? Oh, not really sure. Sometime after midnight. What time? Or well, maybe quarter to one. Bang. Boom, fail. When pressed, I didn't want to tell the truth because telling the truth would have meant grounded. And in my books, that's a fail. And maybe some of us or some of you do or have done something. Mary, thank you for reminding us that this table is about forgiveness, right? So whilst I dig back into the memory bank and remember some of those conflicting conversations with my loving mum and how I mistreated her by not giving her the whole truth, I can seek forgiveness for that and say sorry. The thing is that whenever that happened, it bugged me. I hadn't told the whole truth and irritated more than the punishment for owning my behaviour would have. Grounding would have been so much easier than dealing with what I had to deal with if I, in fact, didn't tell the whole truth. Anyone experienced that? So in the end, no matter how hard you try to hide it, there's one person who will always know, and that is you and the Lord. No matter what we do to hide our stuff, it always finds us out, even in our own minds. But what's really important, God will always know. And Joseph stood up and stood out. He knew that even if Potiphar or anyone else never found out, God knew and he would not dishonour God. When we do choose to honour God, it will produce honour for ourselves and for others. Now, the story of Joseph has a sudden twist. We push on to verse 11. It says, One day he went into the house to attend to his duties. None of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. And when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants and said, Look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to do the wrong thing, but I screamed. And when he heard my scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. Sometimes integrous people are pushed into a corner by non-integrous people. And at that point, Joseph could have come back 
done the wrong thing and tried to cover it up. When we read the story from verse 19, continuing, the second part of what's written there, when his master heard the story, his wife told him that this is how your slave treated me. He was angry. And the master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And we could go on and talk about Joseph's integrity even in prison when he told the good news as well as the bad news to the baker and the cupbearer, these dream interpretations that became part of Joseph's skill set. That's all found in chapter 40. But I want to summarise it and it would go something like, Good character integrity leads to honour and favour, even though him standing up for what was right and true and not choosing to take the easy route meant that he spent time in prison. What we see is the favour of God is on him. He's in the purpose of God. And I refute that the purpose of God is always a gold-plated road. Not always for us. For those who will stand and stand out, sometimes it's tough, not easy. Not the easy ride. And we find Joseph goes to prison without doing anything wrong. But he still had his honour and he had the favour of God and man with him. I, I want you to have a look at Luke 52. I, this is a favourite, one of my favourite passages of scripture. Just a couple of lines right there. But Jesus, as he was preparing for ministry, increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. Wouldn't it be good to have that said about you? Obviously, this is our Lord, but he's a boy growing into a man, able to sin, yet without sin. That's a stand-up, stand-out situation right there, isn't it? how Genesis points to the person of Jesus as a person of character. And Joseph was a person of faith. Even when sent to prison for, for doing the right thing, he kept his trust in God and it was credited as favour. And in this way, he shows us a type of Christ, a foreshadow of Jesus, innocent of wrongdoing, yet taking our penalty. These real accounts in Genesis point to Jesus. Lessons in character, in favour, in trust. Because integrity is doing or behaving in a right way, regardless of what anyone else is doing. It may mean standing alone for what's right. Because later in the Joseph story, he's taken from prison. He interprets the dreams for Pharaoh and when the famine came, which Pharaoh had dreamt of, and Joseph had therefore predicted, Joseph's father, his brothers, and their families settle in Egypt because there was food. 
provided by this amazing administrator. So Joseph is later reunited with his family in Genesis 42. Because of the interpretation of the dream, Joseph becomes second in command of not Potiphar's house, but all of Egypt. And in the bigger picture, Joseph and the test of character and integrity is just getting started. He's been in a senior government position for a long time now, second in the land. The lack of food, the famine is a global issue. Jacob, remember Jacob, who's Joseph's father, word is out that Egypt has food storage, lots of it. And of course, what we know historically is this is all on Joseph. Joseph has been God's man for the time. His leadership, his wisdom, his trust, his honour and his attitude to work for the good of others. And Jacob sends his sons down to Egypt to buy food and bring it home. And Joseph recognises his brothers as they approach. What a moment that is. We looked at Jacob and Esau a week or so ago. And here's another instance where Joseph's character is able to forgive. What a biggie. To forgive someone who sinned against us is no small task. To forgive someone who basically, in the world's eyes, doesn't deserve it is a wonderful grace gift. This forgiving spirit is probably the biggest and best of Joseph's long list of capacities. Do you agree? Amazing when you see it in the context of the story. So we have point three, that he is able to forgive. The story of Joseph teaches us that we don't always get the fair stamp in life but we need to trust God. He looked back and he understood that God allowed for him to be sold into slavery and yet he stays the course. We shouldn't simply read about his life as an Egyptian success story. He does become a global success in the corporate and the bureaucratic world. There's no question about that. In this time in history, he's probably the most important person who provides in the midst of famine. But he recognises there's no end point to what God has planned for him. And he stays in the story. He stays. He doesn't kind of just celebrate, oh, I've achieved these great things. I think he might say what a lot of people that I hear say, that he believes that God isn't finished with him yet. It's a wonderful testimony that I get to hear many, many times as a person retires or they get into their 80s even and they'll look at you and they'll wink and look at you over the top of the teacup as they drink with you and say, God hasn't finished with me yet. Isn't that beautiful? He seems to be ready 
for whatever is coming. I don't know how I would be feeling if I was in chains in a prison in those times. I'd like to think that I'd have a Joseph story. That's what I'd like to think. Here's the crunch. What I can do is honour Jesus today with my life. What I can do is not imagine whether I would have done or what I would have done, but to come today and say, it is more important to honour you, Lord, than to serve whatever is desired of me by others. That's all I've got in my context. And I'd push that out as something that you could kind of bite on. That you can't serve what everybody else wants you to do. Or you can't be who everybody else wants you to be. But every single one of us can be who Jesus desires us to be, can't we? And often we talk about the audience of one. With all the pressures of life, the integrity that we have in the name of Jesus Christ will stand up and stand out every day. I love it. Our vision or our mission statement is to follow Jesus. It's actually a big, big deal to follow Jesus first and then to reach people. And there was a hymn that I align it to that goes something like, to trust and... You see the alignment? Trust God, obey God, follow Jesus, reach people. Because circumstances are going to come and go Situations we face, sometimes we feel overwhelming and it's all God's plan. Joseph would have been able to look back and go, all of these things, I'm not, I don't have this forgiveness opportunity unless all these things happen. It's in the plan of God. It's in the providence of God. Was it feeling good at each step? I would say not at all feeling good at each step. But the day he was able to forgive his brothers, what a wonderful experience of love and a gift of grace right there. He stayed the course and he fulfilled the desire of God for his life. Maybe that's just lesson one. What a good God we have. Get involved in his mission to reach people everywhere. Would you stand with me for prayer? Father, we acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge that, Lord Jesus, you were the man of integrity. Lord Jesus, that you followed your Father's will, that you did, you trusted him, you obeyed him. And Lord, as we stand in your presence, we ask that you will lead us by the power of your Spirit 
to stand up and stand out in our society, in our family, in our place of work, that Jesus would be glorified. We want to honour you that you are glorified. We need your Holy Spirit's intervention in our life. So we humble ourselves and desire you to continually refresh us, renew us and bring us your power. We say in Jesus' name.